Be advised, this episode will almost definitely contain discussion of sexual themes. It will definitely contain foul language. We guarantee that we will be discussing views present within the book that in no way reflect our personal views, likely including, but not limited to, indigenous culture, being sexually active, being not white, eating disorders, and probably things I don't even want to consider being in a young adult book published only one year before The Hunger Games. Please exercise your discretion as a listener. I considered beginning this by continuing the saga of my my health problems. Because mm-hmm. last night I had the worst IBS flare-up of my life. No, that is not an exaggeration. It was literally the worst. Oh, no. Uh, but then I decided it would honestly involve me giving too many gross details. <laughs> and I could not do that to you all. I didn't as know there was such a thing. As much as I told before, I feel like giving the full story would be too painful. Okay. So instead, I'm just going to point out that we are in fact not returning to our roots. Because this book isn't about vampires, it's about vampires. (laughs) It's very different. It's spelled with a Y instead of an I. Did you look up why she spelled it that way? Because I did. I I didn't. I just... Honestly, with this book, I didn't assume there was a very deep reason. Oh, there but isn't. But I guess I'm wrong. There, no, there is not a deep reason. I looked it up. <laughs> well, I so I looked up the authors of this book series for a reason that I will explain later. But I needed to know every detail of them for very important reasons later. But... In my research, I discovered that the reason she spells vampires with a Y is because she just likes it that way. She just thought it was neat. Yeah, see, that's that's exactly <laughs> the reason I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, well, these... we're reading... <laughs> we're reading A House of Night. Yeah. First book in the series. Marked. I'm excited. I know you said that it's different than the other vampires, but, and it is, like, she actually, like, they came up with, like, unique lore, much like Stephanie Meyer did, um, but I'm excited to be reading vampires again. I feel like this is, this is something that is safe for us to do, is, is read about some awful fictional vampires. This is truly, truly, this, look... Maximum Ride (laughs) was like watching a movie that was made by a group of kids that found a camera and didn't understand how movies were constructed. Yeah. House of Night is like watching The Room or Velocipaster. (laughs) But it's an accident. It's completely an accident. Yeah. Well, at least Velocipaster <laughs> absolutely knows what it is and thrives in it. This oh is... Oh, my God. This is bad. It's so bad. Good. Good, but Like, it's the good bad. kind of bad. It's the kind of bad where you're laughing at it. I mean, and, and I don't want to say... It is also problematic bad. Like, oh, it's, yes, it is. It's extremely problematic. And we will go into it in heavy detail. Um, probably not 
every time something bad happens because I think we would spend we would just literally be talking about it for hours and never be able to move on to anything else. Look, Twilight was bad because of the implications mm-hmm. of a lot of the stuff. This book just outright says terrible things. Yes. Also, this book has in common with Twilight that uh, there's incredible blatant misappropriation of Native American culture. Can't have a good vampire book without blatant misappropriation of Native American culture. And we will get into it, I assume, around the time that, like, the inciting events occur. But I literally, last week, we were trying to record... Uh, and no, it was probably when we actually did record the final episode of Warm Bodies. I was like, I need you to know, because I had already read the first part of House of Night. Emmy had not yet read it. And I was like, I just need you to know that, like, I feel like we're going to need to record a special disclaimer for this series at the to, like, play at the beginning of every episode that's just like, we do not claim the way that this series, uh portrays Native American culture, um, but also we don't have enough time in our day to continue deconstructing it. (laughs) Because I remembered it being bad. Like, I literally going into this series was like, I remember them having, like, shitty representation of Native American culture. And then... And then I read it, and I was like, oh, no! I feel like I need a (laughs) master's degree. In Native American <laughs> history, just yeah. to talk about this book. I only took the two classes when I was uh, in college, like, and I still am just like, oh my god, like, this is awful. Um, I want to, <laughs> I, I want to start with uh, with an acknowledgement from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, from the author PC cast Mm -hmm. this is this book is co-written oh yes PC cast and her daughter Kristen cast Uh, this is an acknowledgement from PC I also want to thank my fabulous daughter Kristen for making sure we sound like teenagers I couldn't have done it without you she made me write that let me tell you PC should not have had help from Kristen because I can only imagine that the absolutely horrible shit that is said in these first 10 chapters is a result of Kristen telling PC that this is how teenagers talk. Kristen was 19 when these books were written. Um, And I'm going to put it out there. As an aspiring author who has always struggled to connect with teenage behavior, even when I was a teenager, teenagers who want to be authors don't know how teenagers talk. Like, and that's not, I'm not saying that as like a flex. I'm saying that they don't interact with teenage culture in a way that leads them to actually having an understanding of the way that teenagers behave. (laughs) We're weird. We're awkward. And we don't, interact on a normal in like in a normal way with other teenagers and that's just the way that we are and that's the, why teenagers never sound like teenagers when you read about them in books 
the dialogue is absolute absolute nonsense. It is. It's as, bad. As is the thoughts that Zoe has, as are oh, yeah. the thoughts. It's, it's, there's oh this boy. one part, there's this one part, which I'm sure we'll get into, that I was like, this entire tangent resulted from Kristen wanting her mom to think that she was a very pure little angel when she was in school. <laughs> Why do I have a feeling I know exactly what you're talking about? <laughs> Because you do. You do. I'm sure you do. Either she wanted her mom to think she was pure or she had the same level of sexual experience that I had in high school, which is almost none. Consensually, at least. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Should I read read the uh, synopsis? Yeah, go ahead. Read the synopsis. Enter the dark, magical world of the House of Night. A world very much like our own, except here, vampires have always existed. 16-year-old Zoe Redbird has just been marked as a fledgling vampire. That is, if she makes it through the change. And not all those who are marked do. It sucks to begin a new life especially away from her friends. And on top of that, Zoe is no average fledgling. She has been chosen as special by the vampire goddess, Nyx. Zoe discovers she has amazing powers. But along with her powers, come bloodlust and an unfortunate ability to imprint her human ex-boyfriend. That's right, you didn't get away from fucking imprinting. (laughs) To add to her stress, she is not the only fledgling at the House of Night with special powers. When she discovers that the leader of the Dark Daughters, the school's most elite group, is misusing her goddess-given gifts, Zoe must look deep, deep within herself for the courage to embrace her destiny with a little help from her new vampire friends. That's a, like that synopsis like gives away a lot about the book. Oh yeah, it is. I hadn't read it and like so much of that is not even in the first hundred pages. And I feel like your synopsis on the back of your book should not Give be away. giving away stuff from beyond the first hundred pages. Yeah, especially, it's just really long. Your synopsis generally shouldn't be this long. Lucy, get off the counter! Like, this feels more like a synopsis, like, in terms of length and description that you would Mm -hmm. get for, like, a super hardcore sci-fi or high fantasy book that's like 800 pages long both of my animals are going off the deep end right now so Jen that's your Lucy mention for today you're welcome and guess what you get a Ruby mention too those don't come around a lot but Ruby's underneath my feet and it's pissing me off (laughs) (laughs) yeah Steffi's underneath mine she is? no no. <laughs> I'm just picturing her just laying on the floor. It does, does sound it, like something she might do. 
Just Emmy, are you done yet? <laughs> Though it would be funny for her to listen to the entirety of the podcast, but only from your side because she can't hear me. She has no idea what's going on. She only knows half of this conversation. Anyway, would you like for us to... Begin? Be- I was going to say get into it, but begin works too. Yes, so- I'm, go- I'm going to just skip the opening poem. I know we normally read those, but it's... Yeah. it's It really doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> anyway, so chapter one, cold open. Uh, Zoe's talking to her friend Kayla, or rather Kayla is talking at Zoe, about a guy named Heath, whom Zoe refers to as her almost boyfriend, getting super drunk at a party right after winning a football game. And Zoe says she doesn't want to be with someone who drinks like that. God, (laughs) he's such a mess. Anyway, also, she's feeling really sick today, coughing throughout the conversation. Uh, Then Zoe notices an undead guy whom she refers to as a vampire with a Y. More specifically, a tracker standing next to her locker. He says, <coughs> Zoe Montgomery, night has chosen thee. Thy death will be thy birth. Night calls to thee. Hearken to her sweet voice. Your destiny awaits you at the house of night. Why? That, <laughs> then he points at her. She feels an explosion of pain in her forehead, and Kayla screams. Now, I have to wonder if the authors thought that this book was more eloquent than it is, because they combine so much, like, what is attempted to be, like, gothic horror into this book, but write it like they are 17 and on cocaine. I just, like, I, when I read that, I was like, look, okay, hold on. First, I'm going to read a little part from this, from this section, from literally page two. Page two. two. Oh, yes, this uh, happens very quickly. And, and then I'm going to wrap back to this whole little speech here. Uh, but when talking about uh, Heath's drinking... Sorry, my brain stopped for a second. We're talking about he's drinking. Zoe says, not to mention the fact that he's going to get fat from all that beer. Which garners a response of, ew, Heath, fat, not a visual I want. We made it to page two of this book and there's fat shaming. (laughs) Page two. Uh Uh-huh. Don't worry, it's going to get worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as for this this fucking, this vampire tracker marking introduction, first of all, this sounds stupid as fuck. Sure does. Second of all, it's going to be a real prime point of this section that we're reading, or that we read, uh, that... <laughs> People don't like vampires very much. It's very much like being gay in the South. (laughs) Yes. In like a Baptist high school. Uh, So this would be the equivalent of some 
guy, like a fairy flying into a high school <laughs> in a super Southern Baptist town and just pointing at some guy and being like, you, you sucked dick last night. Congratulations. <laughs> I mark you as flamboyant. <laughs> it's like you're inviting that person to get pummeled yeah, or maybe basically. dead. Yeah, I don't understand their methodology here. And yeah, they do know this, and they do it anyway. They know how bad (laughs) it is for some of these kids, and they're just like, do we need to address this problem? It's even worse, because it's like they're they're a member of the group. Uh Uh-huh. So this is legit like a gay person outing other gay people when they're in an unsafe situation. Yeah. Yes. Especially in this little town where they live. What are you doing? Um, anyway, (laughs) a few moments later, Kayla is babbling about Zoe being marked and having something on her forehead while Zoe is dealing with a headache and basically telling Kayla to shut the hell up. Uh, Kayla's the most annoying character who exists. I hate her. Um, Zoe notices a nerd from down the hall staring at her, but he runs off when she coughs and she wonders about what kinds of people become vampires and whether or not she was going to go full goth. Yeah, she's like, are there nerd vampires? Are there jock vampires? Like, oh, this is so mid-2000s. It hurts. Kayla leaves and Zoe explains that she is either going to fully turn into a vampire or her body will reject the capital C change and she'll die. Uh, She says if she lives, she'll have to go to the House of Night, which is a cool vampire school. But she doesn't want to go to vampire school. She wants to go to OSU, which if you're from Texas or Oklahoma... Absolutely translates to Oklahoma State University. Oh my god, I literally just realized that when you said OSU there. Because I was sitting here like, why does she want to go to Ohio State? Why does she want to go to the Ohio State University? I was very confused initially. When I first read it, I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, she lives in Oklahoma. (laughs) She wants to go to Oklahoma State University. That makes much more sense. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're from Ohio. Well, no, Emmy's not from Ohio, but she did live in Ohio (laughs) for a long time. I'm just Um, like... I feel like this book was written by somebody who went to school in the 80s. Yeah. And that person ignored their daughter telling them that there aren't cliques like this anymore. Yeah. At the time this book was written, but also uh, yes. maybe the daughter's just also stupid. Very accurate. Um <laughs> So fun fact, while these books were being written and while the co-author Kristen was in high school, they did live in Oklahoma. So like that's why this book series takes place in Oklahoma, which is uh, endearing in my opinion that she was like, where should I put my spooky vampire teen novel? I know right here. <laughs> right Oklahoma where I live. In the wind, the plains. Yeah. It's just very, that's very cute. I find it to be adorable. 
Um, so Zoe is about to go outside to her car when she hears Heath being flocked by girls right by her car and decides not to go so they don't see her mark. She remembers the last time someone in her school got marked specifically that she felt very bad for him, but didn't want people thinking she was weird if she was nice to him. That's always she a go- good sign of a, like, you know, a nice main character. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Really <laughs> compassionate. Um, she goes into the bathroom data to look at herself and describes herself as having long, straight black hair, hazel eyes, high cheekbones, a long, strong nose, and a wide mouth. Then says she got all of this from her grandmother, who is a Cherokee Indian. Uh, she says for just a second as she looks at herself, she doesn't feel fear, but instead feels pleasure as, and I'm reading this directly from the book. You cannot say that this is something I said. The blood of her grandmother's people rejoiced. Whatever the hell that means. So begins the misappropriation of Native American culture. Now, I feel like it's important to know. And I, this is not me shitting on people who want to be close to their ancestry. Zoe is 25% Native American. Like, they give her, they, like, sex up her appearance to make her, like, the sexy version of a Native American. She's like, I, you know, I have all of the appearance of a Native American, but she's only 25%. She doesn't speak the language. She didn't grow up on tribal lands. Like, she's basically white, but they wanted her to have the sex appeal the Pocahontas sex appeal. Let me, uh, you, I, you didn't even quote the worst part of this. Yeah. What, what, what was the worst part? <laughs> I stared at the exotic looking tattoo mixed with my strong Cherokee features. It seemed to brand me with a mark of wildness as if oh. I belonged to ancient times when the world was bigger more barbaric. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. I So, like, as we already said, we do not endorse this characterization. Not a fan. I have nothing but respect for Native American people. <sighs> and me, me, me saying that they wanted the sex appeal of a Native American, that is very much like the uh, sexualization I'm making a comment on sexual, the objectification of Native American women. I'm not trying to make them out to be sex objects. However, Native American women, very sexy. Um, that's beside the point. <laughs> do you do want to want to give our audience the really important information about uh, this? Oh, the way yeah. This is written. Um, so PC cast and Kristen cast are both 100 percent white. Uh not not Native American at all. And this brings up Native American woo-wooism, like the white version of it, a lot. Like, there, we'll get to a part later where I literally was almost screaming. I was like, how? How did a publisher let this exist? How? There are so <laughs> many parts of this book that make me scream, how did a publisher let this exist? Yeah, it's bad. Um, so I think it goes without saying <laughs> that, you know, we're not on the side of the, like, listen, that they're, they're Cherokee, right? Which is everybody, everybody knows Cherokee 
Indians, okay? That everybody and their brother thinks they're like 132nd Cherokee or whatever. And I got news for you. It's not because of star-crossed lovers. It's because of a lot of non-consensual relationships between white settlers and Native American people, okay? But these are not the Cherokee. Like, Oklahoma is not the tribal lands of the Cherokee Indians. Uh, They were sent there on the Trail of Tears. So, (laughs) putting it out there that everything that happens going forward that refers to this land as being sacred to her people and all that stuff. This is the land that they were forced to live on after the Trail of Tears, okay? Not saying that they don't hold any special sacredness in that land because they've been there for several hundred years at this point. However, (laughs) just wanna put that out there. (laughs) It's important to know. So, um, yes, (laughs) it's really bad and it will continue to get worse. In fact, and I didn't mean to look this up and I don't know what the context is, but I do know that at some point there is a big, crazy story that involves the Cherokees in this book, the fictional version of the Cherokees in this book. That's similar to like what Stephanie Meyer did to the Quileute people. Uh, where she like made an origin myth. Yeah. Um, PC cast and Kristen cast do that as well. And they refer to the story taking place over a thousand years ago on this land where they didn't live until the trail of tears. So that's been, that's been Sarah's history corner. Would you like to move on? (laughs) Yeah. Chapter two. Zoe hides out inside the school until she thinks it's safe, then runs into the oppressive rays of the sweltering sun, only to have the Heath gang driving by in a pickup truck just as she comes out. Heath's in the back of the pickup truck, drinking and being a fucking idiot. So when Zoe isn't having any of his being an idiot shit... Uh, He asks if she's mad and if Kayla told her something, followed by, I didn't really cheat on you. Not not something you generally say um, (laughs) without prompting if you didn't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This is not this is not himbo material. Absolutely not. Which is a shame. We love a himbo. You know, we're team Emmett in this house. Yes. Very disappointing. She realizes it's always marked and tells her she can't be because they're going out. (laughs) Because that's how that works. (laughs) He is stupid. He is stupid enough, but he doesn't have enough goodwill in his bones to be a himbo. No. Even more not himbo. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even see that sentence when I said what I said. I'm sorry. (laughs) So his friends yell at Zoe to lay off the smoking when she starts coughing and dumbass tells them that she's not a smoker. She's just a vampire. Perfect. That's literally (laughs) what he says. He's not a smoker. He's just a... I almost said a slur on the internet. He's not a (laughs) smoker. He's just gay. (laughs) (laughs) So the other two... 
call Zoe a fucking freak, at which point she snaps at them, and there's some allusion to the fact that she already has some weird power to strike fear into people I and, like, point hold out, their attention. Going in, I don't remember much about this series other than it being supremely horny. The only thing, other thing I remember is Zoe is the Mary sue of all Mary Sues. And it happens very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> and she's not a good Mary Sue. No, she's not. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, he's friends try to drive off, but Chuckle Fuck falls out the back of the pickup when they do. And Zoe runs to help him up, but the others scream at her to get away from him. Uh, credit where credit's due. He does basically tell them to fuck off because he's talking to her. So, you know, at least he doesn't run away in fear just because she's a vampire now. That's bare. Me- I feel like that's, you know, the equivalent of not yeah. kicking your friend out of your house because they told you they're gay. <laughs> um, but anyways, he's bleeding. And so he wants to lick it, which grosses her out. And then he gets dragged off and forced to leave with the shit squad. Um, what a shame. Yeah, so a couple notes here. Uh, one, the two are apparently blaring Toby Keith and singing it super out of key. The random details like this that get added in would be wonderful for world, world building if they weren't just constantly being tacked on like, I know pop culture. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. Especially because hmm. this is a time when Toby Keith was like, I mean, granted, with a Southern crowd, I'm sure Toby Keith was extremely popular at this time. But this was like very shortly after he basically ruined the Dixie Chicks career and was extremely racist, like anti-Muslim and extremely pro-war. So like, it's just a, such an interesting detail. Uh, I wonder what she's trying to say about these people. <laughs> So uh, I do I do feel like the trope of the drunken football players got pushed so far in this moment that somehow it wrapped back around to being mildly believable. But they're like, literally they're getting <laughs> drunk in the school parking lot. <laughs> what? It is insane. But also Zoe, and this is the first. But not not the only time in these first ten chapters um, where Zoe uses the R slur to refer to people. Meaning, yeah. you know, the word for describing somebody who has a uh, learning disability. Uh-huh. I know yeah. what the R slur is. But maybe some people didn't know what I was referring with to with that. Emmy, I know what slurs are. Our high school mascot was a slur. <laughs> Oh my god! And I'm like, oddly you know enough, what? our high school mascot was a slur for Native American people. <laughs> it was. That's accurate. <laughs> you know, like here's the thing: is the use of this word accurate to a high schooler's speech patterns? Yes, especially at this time. 
when this book was written. Mm-hmm. Is this something that anyone should have allowed to actually make it into a print book just because it was accurate? No. no. This is not the kind of accuracy people are referring to when they say write accurate young characters. Yeah. They mean that young people do say <laughs> fuck, not use the slurs that young people continue to use because they think it's edgy. And they say fuck in this book. They say fuck all the time. Which I, look, I can appreciate a young adult book that says fuck because teenagers say fuck all the time. I, I, look, you sat backstage with us. Fuck was like every other word out of our fucking mouths. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Look, high schoolers are vulgar as fuck. And like young adult novels that choose not to use foul language. Okay, fine. I understand. But I don't think it's very realistic because I I was swearing up a storm when I was in middle school. So like when you're in high school, especially when you're not like in class, I used to curse when I was in class. I mean, not like not like violently. I would just be like, damn. And stuff. <laughs> three options. Yeah. You write it correctly. Mm-hmm. You do not write it at all. Do not use stand-in words because yes. that just looks stupid. You just ignore the fact that that language would be used completely. Or, or all of your characters are super religious conservative and think that cussing (laughs) means you go to hell. I, (laughs) so I say, I use a lot of stand in words, but that's because I used to teach preschool. And so you have to have stand in words. Now, granted, when you're in preschool, you can't even say frick. Like you, you have to be like, oh, fudge and stuff like that. Oh, heck. And oh, no. Oh, jeepers, creepers. And stuff like that. The one thing I can't get away from is I say frick all the time. And it's really embarrassing because my friends will be like, did you just say frick? Are we 13? What is going on with you? No. Okay. I just use a lot of stand in words. I used to say sugar. I used to say sugar instead of saying shit. We're gonna, so I'm going to save I'm going to no, I'm going to save you from this by going into the next scene now. Go ahead, please. I'm going to save you from your embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) So Zoe makes it home and is dreading the conversation she'll be having while while using some colorful colorful words to describe Heath's friends. She stares at a house that she still hates. It's her house. She's lived there for three years. And she's grateful that her older sister is at cheer and hopeful that her younger brother is distracted by his violent war video games. She just wants some alone time with mommy, who she finds reading Chicken Soup for a Woman's Soul on the couch. Zoe just wants her to understand Shit hits the fan real fucking quick. Look, look. I feel like these authors took the phrase start with the conflict a little too literally. Yeah. It's very quick. Um, the melodrama is 
soap opera level. It is really bad. With no can I Before we continue, though, I something has struck me that I wanted to mention earlier, but I forgot. Because you were talking Go about references. It. You were talking about references, at, like Toby Keith and stuff like that. And like Chicken Soup for a Woman's Soul. Look, there are references that are cool to have in your work, okay? And then there are references that do nothing but age your work in a really bad way. Like, here, if you want to mention the things that people are, like, entertaining themselves with in your book, you should probably mention things vaguely or things that are so old that they're now classic. <laughs> because Yes. That are specifically meant to be symbolic. Yes. Or if you are in the year 2018 and you're writing a book about someone who's in 2006 and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to put a bunch of references to 2006 in there. That's different. That's fun. I I applaud doing that. (laughs) I don't know anyone who's done it, but I think you should. (laughs) This is not fun. (laughs) This is stupid. (laughs) anyway go on first Zoe asks for help but her mom ends up asking what she's done now once she sees the mark yeah what have you done I don't know you dumb bitch do you think I went over here got this tattooed on my fucking right in the middle of my forehead (laughs) two Mom asks what Zoe's father will say. Three. Oops. No. It's her stepdad of three years. That's why she still hates the house. And her real dad ran away 14 years ago. Surprise! We get into the melodrama real quick. It's getting angsty in here. Absolutely it is. Four. Zoe asks her not to tell stepdaddy, which upsets mommy a lot. Five. You want me to lie? No, I want you to put me above your stupid boy toy. Six, you're a selfish little bitch. I don't have to work at Dillard's anymore, and we have a nice house and money because of your new daddy. Yes, she actually says this. Yes. Seven, Zoe unloads and tells her mom that she's ignored her children for three years. Her sister's turned into a slut fucking half the football team. Her little brother plays lots of violent games and that she's glad she got marked because the house of night can't be any darker than their home. (laughs) Zoe runs off to her room and slams the door. But instead of crying, she starts packing her bag and makes sure to pack mostly black because she's dumb. And... Then stepdaddy comes calling. I said there are so many things in this chapter alone you should not say. Because on top of using the R slur multiple times, she also moves into slut shaming. Yeah. Uh, Also, real fucking judgy about video games, dumb bitch. Yeah. But like, we're, we're on, we've, let me see. Chapter three begins on page 21. So in the first 20 pages of this book, we get slut shaming, fat shaming, and multiple R slur drops. And misappropriation of Native American culture. Yes. Referring to Native American ancestry as barbaric. Yeah. It is. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. No. Mm. 
sorry. I shouldn't even make those jokes. That this that's the kind of stuff that like years from now people are gonna like clip it and like play it back and be like, here's where Sarah said that Native American people are barbarians. <laughs> Meanwhile, no, the entire rest of the episode, I'm like, obviously, I don't agree with this, and and I have nothing but respect. And people are like, "What a bitch, Sarah! You don't understand. I said they're barbaric. That means they're really good at giving haircuts." Of. Oh, I'm so sad that this is just an audio medium at this moment because I wish everyone could see the faces you're making. It's not good. It's bad. I do look like I just smelled something disgusting. I look like Edward in the first scene. Three. Okay, in the first sentence, Zoe refers to her stepfather by his full name, <laughs> which is John Heifer. <laughs> I once, when I was like 13 and was writing a fan fiction, I named the villain of the fan fiction Vaj. V-A-J-J V-J-J because I thought I was so funny and that is what kind of energy naming your evil stepfather John Heffer has like oh it'll be so funny we're gonna call this bitch a Heffer which if you don't know if you're not from the American South a heifer is a derogatory term for a woman. Well, technically, I think it's a word for cow. It is. So, it's a word yeah. for a fat cow. So so when you call a person a heifer, you're calling them a fat cow. I'm glad we're all on the same page. I'm sorry, my face hurts. <laughs> my throat hurts. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> She says he's fake and is actually a terrible guy, despite seeming at first glance like he's handsome and nice, though she later describes him as having, like, as, like, being balding and having a pot belly. So, like, I don't know where the hands... Not that, like, men who are balding and have pot bellies cannot be attractive. They absolutely can. But, like, the way it's described in the book does not seem attractive. No, especially um, coming from Zoe, who is... Extremely judgmental. <laughs> the worst judgmental people I've ever seen. I've referenced it a couple times in my notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. He immediately uh, blames Zoe's rebellious nature on her becoming a vampire. I'm sorry I spelled it wrong. But Zoe says no one in the world actually knows what causes vampirism. John seems to be a fundamentalist, science-denying Christian. His group is called the People of Faith. Um, he's also like anti-vax and stuff like that. Uh, Zoe explains that she studied the change in AP biology and that some teenagers just experience a physiological reaction as a result of rising hormones that triggers the change. Even though we know that you have to be like 
marked by a tracker in order to have the change. I understand that it's supposed to be like a part of your physiology. Like that's the whole point. But like also what's the point of the magic pointy guy? If (laughs) maybe it's just just in your blood. Maybe you just get immediately sick and die if the tracker doesn't mark you. So it's kind of like unlocking. That's okay. Okay. I guess that's a good point. So maybe that's like a residual memory or maybe that's just me making something up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Uh, So John decides the solution to the situation is they're going to do a prayer circle about it and to call their family therapist whom Zoe hates. Now in, I, I think that maybe they're trying to say that this one therapist is bad, but also I have a sneaking suspicion that this is supposed to be like anti-therapy because this is the early to mid 2000s when people considered therapy to be for like babies. Um, but therapy's good. So Zoe's stupid. Yeah. She insists. Hmm. Just say credit where credits due. Uh, this book goes pretty hard against. Uh, religious indoctrination and uh, bigotry, but like that's really all it does, right? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, I so here's the thing: the book also tries really hard to not be racist, but then is racist because of how hard it's trying to not it's, be racist. It's very much the white guy that wants all of the black people in the office to know that they're not racist. Yeah. So he goes around like, Hey buddy, do you like, did you watch that basketball game last night? Yeah. It's (laughs) racist in the way that like people who don't think they're racist, but also like subconsciously don't really view people of color as being like full human beings like exhibit racism because it's like she, the authors are clearly like, well, I have nothing against people of color, but like, and that's, you know, obvious in their writing that that's what they're trying to convey. But like in that same breath, it's like dehumanizing. (laughs) Anyway, we'll get into it later when we meet, when we meet another character. Um, so she insists she needs to go to the house of night, but John refuses. So he realizes realizes her parents don't truly care about what's happening to her. They only care about appearances and keeping control over her. Deciding to take things into her own hands, she makes an excuse about wanting to lay down in her room, then leaves. Chapter four. Zoe lays on her bed and listens to her mom start calling people for the prayer circle, worrying about the acne she'll get when they all start anointing her with oil and shit. Weird. I don't want to be anointed with oil. I can understand this bit. Yeah. She she doesn't want to lose her only place she belonged, which is school. But she's a freak now. Uh, so she also doesn't want to deal with her therapist droning about teenage angst and making her draw pictures to represent her inner child. Have these people had therapy? I don't, I don't think, think these people so. have gone to therapy because this is not what therapy is like. Yeah, therapy is mostly just you sitting in the same room as someone and you both shit talk the same people. Yeah, and like they can give you <laughs> some advice sometimes. I've never had a therapist ask me to draw anything. 
or show no. me weird splotches that I have to interpret. I or- did. <laughs> I did one time have trouble articulating myself, and my therapist asked me if I would feel more comfortable writing it down. But I said no and just started talking. <laughs> I was like, oh, effort. Power move. <laughs> yeah. So instead of dealing with all that, Zoe crawls out her window, takes the spare key she keeps stashed under a lavender plant outside that she got from her grandma, neutrals it out of the driveway, and takes off. Oh, and apparently stepdaddy wouldn't let her park her vintage Volkswagen Beetle in the garage because the lawnmower was more important. <clears throat> A point she acknowledges whilst also acknowledging that she doesn't actually give a shit about cars, making this seem like just a very weird attempt to characterize stepdad. Yeah, she's literally like, since when do I even care about my car? It's like, why did you even include that sentence? I don't understand what the point of it was. I think it's because she didn't, the authors didn't also want, like, they were like, oh, I love a vintage VW Bug, but they don't actually know anything about cars. So they were like, yeah, but also Zoe doesn't know anything about cars, so they don't have to keep talking about cars. You can have a character that doesn't know shit about something that still loves it. Like, yeah. I have a lot of things that I enjoy that I don't really understand. That's fine. Sometimes you like something because it looks cool and you don't give a <laughs> shit about how it works. <laughs> yeah, like me with Pretty Little Liars. You don't know how, is it because you don't know how being pretty works or you don't know how lying works? Or you don't know how being little works. I was going more with, like, the show itself, not just, like, the three pieces of the title. Oh, good, because I was going to say you're very wrong. Okay. Aww. (laughs) Wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) So I know how to be pretty. That's nice. And little. Not really nice, but accurate. I am short. But also, I know how to be a fucking liar. I think it's a skill, honestly. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Wow. Anyway. (laughs) So Zoe turns off her phone. Because why talk to people, but actually she wants to talk to Big Grandma Redbird. Big big, big (laughs) Grandma Redbird. Come over here, sweetie. Let me give you a kiss. (laughs) You gotta drive out to ye old lavender farm. I mean, her grandmother does, like, lift and carry her. A very long distance at some point. So, like, maybe she is just huge. I I, kind of like to imagine Grandma Redbird is, like, some monster of a woman. (laughs) Yes, we love giant women. Um, uh, To continue on the judgmental path, though, at one point when Zoe's talk, when she's sneaking out... She mentions that she's glad her sister is out practicing what she refers to as the sport of cheer. And look, I don't give a shit about cheer either. But do we need to be this petty? Yeah. Do we need, like... I don't give a shit about cheer, but, like, it is a sport. (laughs) It's a much more difficult sport than, like, most of the stuff they're cheering for. And, like, people can enjoy cheer, like... 
Why, why are she just, she was being shitty about somebody in the chess club before and she was calling people nerds and then she was making fun of goths and emos separately. <clears throat> and then Which, now what's so funny about this. <laughs> she made fun of nerds. She made fun of jocks. She made fun of emos and goths. And now she's making fun of cheerleaders. How many clicks are left? What is Zoe a part of? That's that is literally one of the questions I had because I was like, what what group are you a member of that you hate all of these groups? You hate everybody. Everybody. Like it would be one thing if she was goth and hated everybody. That's the whole point of being goth. But she's not. She's no. like a normie, but then hates everyone. <laughs> And their brother for just she being is, themselves. She is a normie who hates normies. Yes. And it doesn't make, and like, how do you, how, it's like being somebody in an office in a, in a white collar job and your favorite show is Parks and Rec, but you hate that person at the, at the desk next to you because their favorite show <laughs> is The Office. And that's so normie. Those are the same show. <laughs> it's like, bro. <laughs> oh my god. That's you. Yeah. that's you. Yeah, it's literally you. I don't know. She's so weird. Like I it's like they tried to do like the not like other girls thing, but she's not like other anything. <laughs> she's like no one. <laughs> she is the void. I'm not like other girls. I'm the void. Hey. I'm the void, and I take offense to that. I do call you Void Lord. <laughs> you do call me Void Lord and Void Moth all the time. Oh, God. Who wrote this book? We know who wrote this book. It's not like Maximum Ride, okay? There's no mystery about who wrote this book. We know who did it, and it wasn't Gabby for once. <laughs> for once, it is not Gabby's swear, fault that I'm, we're in pain. I'm gonna go on some deep journey investigating <laughs> the the writing of this book just to find out if Gabby had any hand in it. Gabby, no! <laughs> Our best friend Gabby. Zoe eventually gets to Grandma's and feels even shittier. Something about dominatrix gym teachers. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't understand that line. <laughs> she just... She's talking about feeling shitty, and then the whole thing is, like, she gives some metaphor about some crazy gym teacher cracking a whip at them and yelling at them when they're supposed to be doing testing in gym class. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> she also really hates geometry. And I don't know if that's supposed to be relatable or not, but she really hates geometry tests. Yeah, she keeps saying that, like, if she dies, she won't have to take her geometry test tomorrow. And I'm like, I never girl. had those thoughts. Yeah, no. <laughs> Granted, I... I <laughs> oh, no, I, thought, I figured it out. Okay, so you've got the jocks. And you've got the cheerleaders, like the preppy crowd, right? And then you've got, mm -hmm. you've got the nerds and you've got the goths and the emos and whatever. And then you also have the slackers who are a part of nothing and they care for nothing. Oh my God. That's what Zoe is. Zoe's a burnout that isn't actually a burnout. <laughs> Zoe's a burnout who's too lame to actually smoke weed. 
Oh my god. You, you found it. You found the answer. I figured it out. But Holy hold on. damn. Hold on. Zoe hides under <laughs> a Star Trek hoodie and an OSU hat. I cannot fathom what would make a Star Trek fangirl be this judgy all the time. Star Trek fangirls founded the concept of fandom and fan fiction. They are literally the foundation of nerd society. How? This does How? not make any sense. It doesn't even make sense as to why she would like Star Trek. Why does she like Star Trek? She never talks about it. She never references it. This is what I'm saying about just tacking on pop culture things. They're like, because they do it with some other stuff later, too, <sighs> where she has like DVDs in her room and stuff that she mentions, but she never references any of these things. It's like they think that if they just attribute certain properties, and I mean that in the sense of like Star Wars is a property, to a character yeah. that that's a personality. But that's it's not, not a character. That's not how you make a character. Zoe has less of a complex inner world than Bella. And like, and that's, that's probably that's the most difficult. derisive thing I could say. <laughs> Like, at least Bella references the things that she likes. Like, she'll be like, I'm reading Little Women, and then she'll reference it some point in the book as well. Zoe well, doesn't. Stephanie Meyer <laughs> did the thing where every reference was either vague or so old that it's classical. Yes. So, so she didn't have to work like, oh, uh, like... Bella loves classic literature. Therefore, every once in a while, I'm just going to name a random classical book that Bella's reading. And boom, I've done it. Like, I've, I've accomplished this. But with Zoe, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. She never speaks about liking Star Trek. She never mentions it again. Where did this come from? Why do you like Star Trek? It's like, you gotta, you gotta just... She should be going into a room and thinking about how she wants to be like Captain Picard in this situation. <laughs> if you're going to use this as a character trait, like you can't just fucking say it once and pretend that no, no. I'll take it back if later she refers to a particularly emotionless character as Spock. As Spock, yes. I'll, I'll, that'll be acceptable then. Yeah. <laughs> so far, there's been no sign of her having any personality gained from the things she likes though no <clears throat> so she goes up to the door to grandma's and finds a note saying that her grandma went to the bluffs because apparently her grandma just <laughs> has some psychic ability to know when zoe's gonna show up somewhere um she considers waiting inside but then says hey i feel like i just had the flu I get overwhelmed very easily by the sun all of a sudden. Maybe I should just hike through the fields and woods until I reach my grandma. That sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. So she sets off to do that. Super excited about not being under her parents' control anymore. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so chapter five. 
Zoe hikes up the trail toward the wildflower fields where her grandmother is waiting for her with greater difficulty than she's had before because she keeps coughing and snotting everywhere. It's really disgusting. Um, she thinks a lot about her grandmother, specifically about how her grandmother is Cherokee and all the cool Native American mysticism you'd expect from a pair of white authors. Um, Zoe has a spiritual experience during which she feels surrounded by the ghosts of her Cherokee ancestors, then panics and starts running up the path, running up that hill, running up that road. (laughs) (laughs) Only to trip on an exposed tree root and knock herself unconscious as she falls. Now, I've definitely pointed this out before, but I'm going to point it out again. If you suffer a traumatic head injury and knock yourself unconscious and lose consciousness for longer than a minute or two, you have severe brain damage. Like, I... It's like, I know that it's fiction, okay? And I know that in fiction, characters knock themselves unconscious and then are out for several days and it's not a huge deal. If you fall unconscious for whatever reason, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have brain damage. But when you hit your head hard enough to lose consciousness and then you're unconscious for that long, you have brain damage. You've severely damaged your brain. And that is something that every time I see it in movies or TV shows or in books or podcasts or whatever, it makes me lose my shit. (laughs) Sarah, you don't understand. If she only could, she'd make a deal, <laughs> make a deal with Nyx. No, oh, with Nyx. Nyx. I'm sorry. Well, Nyx is a god. But anyway, that's just like, and I know that this book isn't going for hyper-realism, so like, who cares? And like, I'm sure a lot of people don't actually know that's the case. But it's just one of those things where every time I see it, I'm like, that's not how it works. You can't just you can't just hit your head and fall unconscious for three hours or a day. It's literally like over a day. You can't <laughs> just give yourself se- severe brain trauma and then just walk away. Maybe the whole rest of the series is just Zoe in a coma. Oh my god! What if we get to book twelve and she just wakes up and she's just in her mo- her grandma's bathtub? Oh, it's like Zoe, you were out for a couple minutes there. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> a couple minutes all right so the next scene i don't we don't need to go in i mean we can't it's bad let's just get through it okay so zoe astral projects for the first time since the book started feeling good she looks down on her body lying limp on the ground its skin pale and blood running where she'd hit her head She looks down into a crevasse near her head where her blood is dripping and thinking she hears her grandmother's voice, she dives down into it, coming to rest beside a pool of water. She follows the water down a tunnel and finds a woman at the end of a tunnel who says she has gone by many names until explaining that her name in modernity is Nyx, whom Zoe refers to as the vampire goddess. Um, She originally got her name from the Greeks because Nyx is a Greek goddess. Uh, The goddess says that Zoe is a super special chosen one and that she needs to accept her destiny. Now, they call her Gaia. They call her Nyx. 
They call her several names, including one name that is sacred to the Cherokee people. Uh, I didn't write it down, and I would probably mispronounce it if I tried. The, the goddess repeatedly refers to Zoe by the Cherokee word for daughter. It's all around just not a very good scene. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure some of the deities referenced were not ones that shared traits with Nyx. No, not to mention <laughs> Gaia and Nyx are from the are same part of fucking the same, mythology. Yeah. Okay, I was like, maybe this is a different Gaia. And the same, but yeah, because Gaia in Greek mythology is the earth. Yes. It is it is literally one of the primordial beings. Yes, Gaia is a Titan. <laughs> and now listen. <laughs> I don't need to tell our listening audience this. But it is incredibly offensive to take sacred figures from different mythologies and say that they are the same thing. <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, it, it I, you know, we live in America, it's predominantly Christian, but, like, if we were a part of a polytheistic society, can you imagine how fucking insulting it would feel to have your, like, sacred goddess of night compared to, like, just, not even just compared to, but, like, blended in with the goddess from a different mythology, or I don't want to say mythology, but a different belief system, and in this, like, fictional shitty vampire book, they're like, no, we're actually all the same. People just attribute us differently. And it's like, no, that's not, like, I under, like, and and I understand where they're coming from here, but the problem is they're treating it all as fiction. And when you're dealing with religious fixture, figures, nothing is fiction when you're writing a book. <laughs> it's not fiction. Gods are not fiction. Like, ancient Greek gods, I fully understand that people don't worship them anymore. It's not, it's not like a, a sanctified religion anymore. But, like, Allah is not fiction. Yahweh is not fiction. The, the uh, gods of Hinduism, that's not fiction. That's people's religion. That's what they believe in, okay? <laughs> like, you, you don't get to just be like, yeah, but actually we're all the same. It's all the same thing. No, it's not <laughs> the now same thing. Now, what you thing. can do... <clears throat> is draw parallels. Yes. Or have a deity that does represent a group of deities from separate religions that were actually inspired by one another. Mm -hmm. Because there is the case that oftentimes a religion would move into a new area, the religion in that area would adapt, and so you would end up with a deity that has very similar traits between two areas, exactly. but two different names. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's it, like the most prominent example is obviously the Roman versus the Greek pantheon. The Romans conquered Greece and appropriated their religion. And that's why Zeus and Jupiter are exactly the same. Like it, it's that's 
different because I mean there is a really good series of books uh, by by Rick Riordan, Rick Riordan. That, that, that confronts that very concept. Um, but like the, and that's that's entirely different. I just find it incredibly insulting for these two dumb dumbass writers. To be saying, like, you know, these sacred figures from different religions that we ourselves are not a part of? Well, actually, they're all vampire ladies. These (laughs) dumb fucking crackers. Like, do you hear yourself? What the fuck? Anyway, so Zoe is super special. She's the chosen one. Okay. Chosen one. Are we all on the same page? Zoe's the chosen one. And she's been chosen by every goddess that's ever existed. Oh my God, be, Zoe? Because they're all the same person, to be clear. No is religion Zoe? is valid because it's all just one chick. Harry Potter? Got a mark on her forehead? She's the chosen one? Oh my one. God. <gasps> no. Oh my God. Crazy. <laughs> there's, a, there's a finishing school, a boarding school for... People that are specifically yeah. not normal humans. Except people fuck there. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Moaning Myrtle wants a marathon. <laughs> Can we move on, please? I can't believe. You, I, can't, I cannot believe to learn that you are bringing Harry Potter into this sacred house. And this sacred house being the Discord call. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, fuck J.K. Rowling. Chapter You're six. the only one who's allowed to reference Harry Potter. <laughs> Chapter, Chapter six. six. <clears throat> Zoe wakes up feeling a bit overwhelmed by everything that happened and thinking she hears her grandmother singing. Oh, Grandma is there. She found Zoe all bloodied up and brought her to the house of night and considering big grandma, <laughs> big, big grandma, grandma. <laughs> big grandma, red bird, <laughs> uh, which pissed Zoe's mom off. She doesn't understand why Zoe didn't tell her about being marked. And Zoe tells her it just happened. And grandma's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Not, not because it's Zoe. Because their family has very strong magic in their bloodline, after all. So being Zoe makes sense. Yeah. But because the mark on her forehead is already filled in. It was just an outline before. Now it's filled in. Zoe asks how the hell it happened when a new lady arrives and tells her that they've been hoping she could explain. It turns out this new lady is the high priestess, Neferit. And she has great badonkadonks that make Zoe jealous. Yeah, she's literally like, oh, this lady's beautiful. She has big boobs. I wish I had big boobs. I wish that Zoe was a little fruity. A lesbian? Like, I wish she was fruity. All of this would make sense. It would be so much better if she was a little gay. (laughs) Neferet's hot, though. Uh Uh-huh. But also in the single paragraph... Introducing her, Zoe manages to insult gingers, strawberry blondes, and people with eating disorders. Yeah, yes. fucking amazing. It's, it's really fantastic. Bad. She's like, yeah, she has red hair, but it's not like frizzy carrot top red. It's like deep auburn. Like what the f- what the and, fuck? <laughs> and she talks about her being thin, but not like those girls that 
puke up all their food like Paris Hilton. Ew, Paris Hilton, yuck. Rude. I, I was just like, holy shit, is there a single... Sacred she hates everyone. Thing. She hates everyone. Which, like, I get, because I was 16 and hated everyone. But also, I was kind of emo. So, I would not have made fun of other emos. We, we don't say... You don't... You don't make fun of people for being fat. Or having <laughs> eating disorders. Or, you know... Needing mental health help, which she also does. Or having does. red hair. <laughs> or having red hair. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Leave the gingers alone. They've been through enough. <clears throat> For fuck's sake. God, anyway, go on. So Zoe starts to explain when she gets a very strong feeling in her gut that tells her not to mention her meeting with Nyx. Ooh, what could that mean? Ah. Uh. So she leaves that out, and her grandma backs her up by saying memory loss is normal with head trauma. Well, you know, you know what's not normal with head trauma? Being asleep for, you know, a day or two. (laughs) (laughs) Neferit, seeing that grandma is worried, tells her it's all good. Fledglings have exceptional healing powers, just like big vamps do. And she reassures Grandma by taking an oath that she'll be the one to pair with Zoe as a mentor before leading Zoe off to see the school and meet her new roommate. And then Zoe has a brief thought of being a badass high priestess and is like, ha ha, I'm not that cool. (laughs) So chapter seven, Zoe and Neferit proceed down the hall and Neferit begins explaining things about the school. Classes begin at eight and end at three, eight p.m. and end at 3 a.m. Teachers are available for extra help until 3.30 and the gym is open until dawn. Dawn time is posted in all classrooms and common areas. Nix's temple is open at all times, but formal rituals are held twice a week. You say No, you say it. Twice as sweet (laughs) after school. A cat approaches the two of them and Nefret is surprised that he seems to like Zoe. Zoe explains that cats are closely associated with vampires and used to be slaughtered because humans thought cats created vampires, which like maybe is a reference to the fact that people used to slaughter rats because they thought they brought about the Black Plague. But also, I don't know. (laughs) With these guys, I have no idea. Maybe she just made it up. Um, Neferit explains that high priestesses of the house have special affinities or abilities that set them apart from others. And her affinity is for cats and healing. Um, Zoe spaces out and apologizes, but Neferit assures her that a lot has happened and she doesn't need to feel bad. I have a special affinity for cats. My special power is cats. My special (laughs) goddess-given power is that I get to scritch on the bellies of as many cats as I want like, I know, you're probably really jealous. Oh my god, Neferit's gonna open a cat cafe. She's gonna <laughs> she's gonna quit the house at night, and she's gonna go open a cat cafe. It's gonna be called, um, oh, let me think, let me think. Nyx's Kittens, but Nyx is spelled K-N-Y-X. <laughs> <laughs> 
Neferit has to see to another fledgling, so Zoe has to continue down down the hall by herself. She, like, gives her directions. Uh, Zoe stumbles off down this little side hallway because she thinks she hears something, and she finds what she thinks is a sexual encounter, but turns out to be an assault. Like, so we spent so long when we read Eclipse being like, Jacob kissed Bella against her will. Like, and that is bad. Don't get me wrong. Very bad. Okay, so there's a girl. Got nothing on this. Got nothing on this. There's a girl on her knees. Like, trigger warning. This is really fucked up. There's a girl on her knees in front of a guy, and she's trying to blow him, despite him telling her repeatedly and, like, that he doesn't want it, and trying to push her away. And she slices open his pants with her fingernail and he bleeds because she cut into his thigh with her fingernail. So maybe. And she looks at. This book is a little bit more problematic (laughs) than Twilight. Because I will, give, I will, I will give it this. Uh, the the girl that does this is very much the bad guy. Oh yeah, she's the villain. She's not like the good guy who made a bad choice. She's a bitch and a half. Think Rosalie, but worse. <clears throat> Think Rosalie, but like she doesn't even have a reason to fucking be that way. <laughs> yeah, no, like, she's just a cunt. <laughs> like at least Rosalie has trauma. This, this girl just sucks. Um, so Zoe makes eye, con- on t- eye contact with the guy and something magical seems to connect them. So he starts moving in her direction, but she just turns and runs back in the direction Neferit told her to go and collects her thoughts by the door she was told to look for. Like she sees this guy being assaulted. He notices her and is seeming like, think about it objectively. Like you are witnessing someone be assaulted they notice you and start to move in your direction probably because you have found them while they are being assaulted emmy what do you do in that scenario uh run to them to try and help oh okay wow oh it's almost like you're a good person (laughs) (laughs) zoe as we've discussed already is a terrible person she is not a good yeah. A protagonist and, at all. Like, I know that this book came out in the mid 2000s. So I'm sure that the concept of this actually being a sexual assault is not like entered the author's brains at all. Um, because they don't think men can be sexually assaulted. They probably just think this is a funny little, no, don't, like, ah, uh, I don't want that. Because he's a guy, and so, like, he can just kill her or whatever. <laughs> kill her? He can just fight her. <laughs> he can just fight her off. I didn't mean kill. I'm so- <laughs> I mean, he could, I guess. <laughs> like, theoretically. <laughs> I just want to point out, this book was written after Twilight. Yes, it came out in what, like, 2006? 2008. Okay. So it came out the same year that the Twilight movie came out. Yes. Um, 
but it's it's really fucked up. I don't know. I I was really uncomfortable reading the scene. I I'm just not gonna lie. The thing is, leading up to it, she describes hearing noises and walking towards them, and she doesn't describe what she's hearing. So you're just like, oh, this must be important. Like something's going on that she has to witness. But uh, then she gets there, and it's just this sexual assault and I'm like what the fuck kind of noise were you hearing that you were yeah. like I must I want to go towards the sex sounds I want to go there yeah no I don't understand <laughs> so Neferit finds her flipping her lid and Zoe says it's just because of her headache which Neferit heals with her special powers Neferit asks if she's okay and Zoe says she's nervous about meeting her new roommate Neferit just asks that Zoe let her introduce her to her new life. Anyway, um, Neferit takes Zoe into the school's courtyard and she marvels at the setting and even recognizes a statue of Nyx. Uh, but she like recognizes the statue because she's met the woman and Neferit's like, yeah, that's Nyx. Like unsure as to why Zoe's like, oh, Nyx, there she is. My favorite white girl. <laughs> In a world where everybody knows vampires are real and their goddess is Nyx, people would have no seen images of Nyx. Yeah. Unless it's like an Allah thing. I don't know. So Neferit explains the House of Night has only existed in this area for five years before that serving as a prep school for rich teens. Zoe explains that vampires are universally considered attractive and some of the most successful musicians and actors in the world are vampires, which is why so many of them are rich, making big enemies of the people of faith. Zoe is me mesmerized by all of the attractive people walking around them and feels intimidated by their beauty. She describes their fun uniforms and says most of them have weirdly long hair. She also says people who pass are staring noticeably at her mark. Now, the long hair thing is appropriated from Anne Rice. So when it comes up later, just know that it is not unique to the cast writing duo. They stole it from okay. Anne Rice. Look. Everyone's really beautiful. Zoe as part of her transition to vampirism, I'm sorry, vampirism, uh, becomes paler, more white. <laughs> I, what? Uh, what? I, I know what? that there's I mean, what are you insinuating? Of vampires being pale. Yes. And but they've decided to break a lot of tropes with this book already, so they didn't uh -huh. need to keep the pale trope. Um, so implying that part of becoming a vampire is becoming pale and that vampires are all beautiful seems slightly, slightly problematic. Yeah. <laughs> There are people of color in this book. Like, yeah, it's very specifically there are people of color. Like, like, it's not just like, oh, you couldn't know. <laughs> How does that even work when you're like, if you have a black vampire? Like, do they just shift into a 
completely different skin tone? Like, what do you... I have no idea. <sighs> Why don't you continue, Emmy, please? Chapter, chapter eight. Chapter eight. Neferet brings Zoe to the dorm. Okay, is it Neferet? I've been saying Neferet, but I don't know if it's Neferet or Neferet. Neferet. Okay, we're going with Neferet. Bring yeah. Zoe into the dorm, which is not the dark hellhole she anticipated. Don't know why she still anticipated that at this point, because everything she's seen has not yeah. matched with her idea of gothic bullshit. But all the ladies inside stare at Zoe's mark. Apparently only one person at this school has any sense of respect. Yeah. We'll find out. Because everybody else just stares at her, blankly. Um but Nefret introduces her, and a peppy girl that Zoe says looks like Sarah Jessica Parker stands up to greet her and introduce herself as Aphrodite, which Zoe is once again judgy about. Oh yeah, Surprise. we should probably point out that uh, they—they I didn't mention this in the chapter previous. Oh right, the name thing. You can change your name when you go to the House of Night. So, like, a lot of people have really f- weird names, like Neferit and Aphrodite and stuff like that. But that's because you can change your name to whatever you want it to be. So, Zoe changed her name from Zoe Montgomery to Zoe Redbird to go with her grandmother's name. And Aphrodite Correct. obviously changed her name from fucking Sarah Jessica Parker to... to Aphrodite. <laughs> Aphrodite. And look, I do not appreciate Zoe's judginess over... Look, the girl's a bitch. She's the villain, as we're about to find out. But I could have made my middle name Artemis. And you know what? I don't appreciate her judging people for liking some ancient Greek goddess names. Yeah, my middle name is Schroeder. That's... Isn't that your last name? No, my last name is Wilton. Oh, I thought it was like hyphenated thing no oh i got rid of my middle name and i kept my maiden name as my middle name (laughs) hey i got rid of my first name and made it my last name (laughs) (laughs) i sometimes i forget that you're you literally made your dead name your last name (laughs) some people are like i never want to hear that fucking name again and you're like i'd like to hear it every time someone addresses me (laughs) <laughs> I, I never hated the name. It just wasn't my name. So yeah. I made it my name in a new way. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Aphrodite offers to show Zoe to her room and gets pissy about Neferit being Zoe's mentor. And at this point, Zoe realizes that Aphrodite is sexual assault blowjob girl. And okay. Neferit leaves, and Aphrodite leads Zoe upstairs. And when Zoe says the dorm is amazing, Aphrodite agrees, saying it's awesome because Aphrodite's there. Yeah. She is... She's the bitchiest bitch. She is, like, an icon of bitch. Yeah. So, once they reach the room, Aphrodite stops... Zoe outside to tell her that she is not hot shit just because of her mark and that Aphrodite is the one who is hot shit. So Zoe better stay in line. 
Zoe doesn't want trouble, so Aphrodite knocks on the door and introduces Zoe to her roommate, Stevie Ray. Stevie looks scared when she sees Aphrodite, and Aphrodite mocks Stevie by imitating her Oklahoma accent before Zoe is able to shoo her off. And the new roommates bond over Aphrodite being a bitch. I want to point out that we glossed over something earlier that I had anticipated us talking about. Um, it, but it's in reference to the blowjob thing. So Zoe... Oh. <laughs> Zoe oh. has the weirdest purity culture internal monologue about how, like... I mean, I knew blowjobs happened, but, like, I didn't... Like, I'd never really thought about them happening, like... Like at all. And I and it's just like that was the part I was talking about earlier when I was like, this is the line that Kristen Cast wrote so that her mom wouldn't know that she was sucking dick in high school. This line this part disgusted me because not only does she act like it's weird that a blowjob actually happens, she specifically says that blowjobs are something that men want and women should never be expected to do or should do. Yeah. And it's like that kind of feminism where instead of championing women's choices and freedom, Mm -hmm. you make it about not allowing women to show any sign of even potential subservience to men Even so far as it means providing sexual pleasure to somebody that they, in this case, it was sexual assault, but like in the general sense are in a relationship with like, I'm, I'm sorry. um, It is completely acceptable to give your partner of any sex, gender, uh, oral pleasure can we not be judgmental about giving people oral pleasure? It's fucking weird. Yeah. It, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's basically boils down to Zoe's slut shaming, right? Like Zoe really likes to slut shame. Yeah. All the time. And I don't know. The idea, it's like, I think we're coming around on it nowadays. Like, the idea that, like, I don't know, maybe some people like giving head. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I didn't say anything. What are you wowing about? Nothing. This is an audio format. (laughs) Nothing. Anyway, so, like... (laughs) I don't know. Like, obviously, like, I don't want to think about teenagers giving blowjobs either, but teenagers give each other fucking blowjobs. So, like, it's all just wise up here. Calm down a little bit. Calm down with the chastity belt, Zoe. I swear to God. Take that lock off, girl. Oh, she's going to. Never mind. The two talk about (laughs) their experience with the change and their family's reactions. Stevie's mom liked it. Her brothers wanted some hot vampire ladies and her dad was upset. 
Uh, Stevie is a bit scared of a city like Tulsa, and when Zoe goes to tell her it's a cool place, she realizes she never sees vampires out and wonders how that works. So Stevie tells her they can leave, but they aren't allowed to wear the uniform. And she also tells Zoe that she should put her uniform stuff on, saying that the teachers already know the right measurements somehow, and that students are allowed to make their own modifications. So yes, apparently... Vampire teachers just have psychic abilities for new fledgling measurements. It's just wish fulfillment. It's literally just wish fulfillment of like going to a cool, awesome school, having like a cute, fun uniform that you get to make your own. So weird. Stevie (laughs) is, of course, dressed like a cowgirl. If uh, there is a lot of implication here, you know, she's got a shirtless country singer poster. I can't remember if it was Toby Keith or Keith Urban. It's Kenny Chesney. Oh, it's Kenny Chesney. Uncultured little bitch. Why does every country singer sound like Kenny Chesney? Um, Kenny Chesney, Keith Urban. Heaven help me, I can't think of any others. Tim McGraw. Brad Paisley. That doesn't sound like either of those. No, it doesn't. Anyways, uh, she's dressed like a cowgirl. She has an Oklahoma accent. She's from a small town. Um... The chest of the first year uniforms have a silver glittering spiral on them, which represents the beginning of their journey. And holy shit, because we're going to, in chapter 10, I'm going to list all of the symbols that are on the chest. This mother-daughter writing duo is not good at coming up with symbology. No. Um, So Zoe asks Stevie why she isn't interested in Zoe's mark, and and Stevie tells her it's rude to pry and she wants to be friends. Stevie is the only one. Stevie starts rushing Zoe out the door for dinner while Zoe worries about getting diarrhea. I yeah. kid you not. The end of the chapter is her worrying that she'll get diarrhea from the food. I can't make this shit up. Also, all of Zoe's stuff is already in her room because apparently her grandma battled Big the forces grandma. of <laughs> Big Grandma Redbird went and took all Zoe's stuff. Okay, so we're talking about her, like, facing off against her mom, but I like to imagine instead that Big Grandma Redbird actually crawled back through Zoe's open window that she crawled out of and, like, just threw oh. everything into a duffel bag and crawled back out, like, army crawling through the yard. Yeah. Pink uh. grandma. Uh, so chapter nine, <laughs> Zoe and Stevie Ray head to the beautiful dining hall, which is already pretty full of other students. They get some food and head over to a table already occupied by two other students. <sighs> Sorry, this shit's putting me to sleep. Whom uh, <laughs> Stevie Ray introduces as Aaron and Damien. Because... Damien is gay, and they couldn't think of another name for a gay man. They just took the name of the gay guy from Mean Girls. Uh, Damien is gay, and they have a really weird interaction about it. I've heard Brandon's a pretty gay name. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Anyway, (laughs) Um, so Damien is gay and they have a really weird interaction about it uh, where it's one of those like, oh, don't worry, he's gay. Like, you know, like basically saying like, it's okay if he's like weird around us. He's gay. So it's not bad. I swear he's not a predator. 
He's just gay. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is, I, that's not me calling gay men predators. I love gay just men. Just make him trans and see what happens. <laughs> Damien calls Aphrodite's group of friends psych... Psychophants. Sycophants. Sycophants. And Zoe is confused because I guess she doesn't know that word. We don't know how to pronounce it, but she doesn't know it. So Damien is apparently really into like beautiful, eloquent, fruity vocabulary. And like it comes up a lot and it's all just like normal fucking words. It really is. It's like words, you know, if you read books. Yeah. Which people like that's look, I want to point out that like if you're reading a book, you are someone who reads books which means you don't really want the 100% realistic way that, like, normal teenagers who, no offense to teenagers, but, like, don't read a lot of books. Like, why do you... People who write books need to just understand that teenagers who read books will be totally happy if your teenagers talk weird. If they talk really eloquently and, like, they came straight out of a thesaurus. That's fine. The teenagers that are reading those books, they know what those words mean. We'll still make fun of it, but it's not as nearly as stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not nearly as stupid as pretending the teenagers don't know words. Anyway. Anyway, apparently that group is kind of a sorority called the Dark Daughters, which we learned about in the blurb on the back of the book. And Aaron and Damien hate them. Another girl joins them, whom Stevie Ray introduces as Shawnee, Aaron's roommate. Shawnee is black. And I'm just She's, putting it out there like that because I need you to know that it is not written well. No. That she is black. I just, like, so, okay. So, you so you know, sometimes people write characters in, like, you wrote this character into the book for the purposes of being black. Why don't you just write a character and then later be like, as a matter of fact, she's black. Because that's how black people exist. They are just people who are black. <laughs> like, there is no need for the show poniness of the way that this character is handled. It's honestly really offensive. Because it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a matter of, like, them caring about relevant social or political issues. It's, it's, uh, it's all just very much surface level. They're black. And it's stereotyping. A lot of it yeah. is stereotyping. Like, this character is very bold and loud. Yes. And um, that's that's a harmful stereotype. I don't know if you know this, Emmy. I'm But the aware. loud black woman is a harmful stereotype. I, I cringed very much when she inter- got introduced because of what she does when she's introduced. What does she do, Sarah? Um... So she boldly asks about Zoe's mark. And Zoe gives the basic explanation that it filled in after she was knocked unconscious. Uh, Damien, Aaron, and Shawnee have a conversation about calling things what they are, specifically body parts, because Stevie Ray is grossed out by the word penis. Aaron and Shawnee call each other twin, even though they're obviously not related, because one of them is white and one of them is black. So, like, it's funny. But they're so similar. 
They're like twins. Look, I'm not look, I'm not gonna say that that's never a good trope. Um the twins in Bullet Train are fantastic. Um in fact, I think that the authors of this book could learn a lot from the movie Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt and Aaron Taylor Johnson and Joey King and the guy who plays Tangerine. Anyway, or Lemon? I don't remember which one he is. <clears throat> um, and there's another group like the Dark Daughters called the Dark Sons. Aphrodite walks over and invites Zoe to a special ceremony since she's clearly not like other girls. She's not like other humans or she's vampires. Not like other people who exist. She's she is the nut. Fuck, I can't say. Is boy. this the chapter where say Shawnee says the thing about about? Damien appreciating her blackness. I don't know if it's this chapter or next chapter. But yeah. But yeah, uh, they make like they make extremely othering comments about the fact that Shawnee is black. It's like they think that every time a, a person is introduced to the friend group, they have to justify the fact that this is a black person in the group. And it's like sometimes when you have a friend group, there are people of multiple races in the friend group. It's like when you think about the and fact <laughs> that that Percy Jackson was written before this with a diverse cast of characters and didn't have yeah. this problem. It's insane. <laughs> uh-huh. Crazy. Anyway, it's really bad. Um, I could go on about it for hours. <clears throat> I won't. I, we don't have time. No, We're already no, we at don't. an hour and 41 minutes. Yeah, and I gotta go soon, so we gotta... Chapter gotta wrap 10. this shit up. Chapter Where do you gotta 10. go? You gotta go get your wife? I gotta take her to an appointment. Oh, I thought you already took her at four. No, no, that's when I picked her up from class. Okay, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. So, chapter 10. The squad... Bitches about the bitches. And keep warning Zoe not to fall for their fake bullshit because sometimes they can seem nice. And they seem okay. really worried that Zoe's going to fall for this. And I don't know. All why. right. Let me pull out my footrest so I can lean back and take a nap while you go through this explanation. <laughs> they explain the symbols on all the uniforms. We already know the third formers have the spiral. Sixth formers have the fates, with Atropos holding scissors to symbolize the end of school. Fourth formers have the wings of Eros, the love god, symbolizing Nyx's capacity to love and their journey forward. And fifth formers have Nyx's golden chariot pulling a trail of stars, symbolizing the continuation down Nyx's path in the two years that have already passed. And also when talking about the symbol for the love god Eros, uh, Shawnee and Aaron are very flamboyant about their bodies. Yeah. <laughs> and being part of the love class. Um, 
honestly, this is this is some of the worst symbolizing I've ever seen. Even more so because it's explained. So it's bad. It's they really bad. wanted you to know about their <laughs> Harry Potter um, class uh, warfare shit that they've got going on. Except it's just years. Yeah, it's also, just years. It's not like you get sorted into a house. It's just like in your third year, like third formers are, have, are like in their first year. Which like, hey, can I ask you a question? Why are they third formers? Why do they come in at random points in the year? Like, do they have a graduation at the end of the year? Yeah, because really if doesn't so, make then sense. what about the people who like get marked in the in in the month of May? Do they graduate? <laughs> do and they go on to their their next year? What's I don't understand. Like, at least Harry Potter had like the whole. I'm sorry, not to bring up Harry Potter again, but at least Harry Potter had the whole thing where it was like, yeah, you get your letter and then you go on this day. Yeah, this is like you have to go there or you'll die as soon as you're marked. Mm-hmm. So. Or at least per, let's take Percy Jackson. No structure. You can go to Camp Half-Blood whenever you fucking want to. So that's, see, that's fine. But this is like a class system. So like how in the fuck are you going to, like every time somebody new starts, they just got to be like, all right, guys, we're starting the class over again. This yeah, bitch that's been like here for the- six months <laughs> is just losing her mind. <laughs> Yeah, they have to go into their class in the middle of the school year. They What if they don't pick up on things? What if they don't, like, I don't understand how this works if they, like, come in. Because, like, Stevie's been there for three months. So, like, it's obviously not like, oh, they're trickling in. Like, it's, you know, maybe over the course of a few weeks at the beginning of the school year, they have to, like, trickle in. Next could be a lot more consistent with the times of markings. Uh, anyway, we're asking too many questions. Why does it start at third? Why? I honestly don't know. I also have to wonder is everybody in third form 16? I don't know. Or, because, like, they don't say that everybody is the same age. But that would mean that they go in at 16 and they get out at age 20? I think it's just third formers are just, that's your first year as a vampire. Well, yeah, for sure. But like, so like, could could you you go in at 13 and get out at 17? I guess. Could you go in at 18 and get out at 22? Because like, it's typically like it's teenagers. That's actually what the song I'm feeling. That it's teenagers. 22. Is about oh like, yeah, yeah that that song by Taylor Swift from yeah. her um, critically acclaimed album Red Taylor's version um, it's called Twenty Two it's about when you graduate from the house of <laughs> fuck <laughs> anyways the squad bickers for a while and then Stevie and Zoe leave. In the hall, they run into the twins' cat chasing Damien's cat. And apparently, one cat chose both of the twins. Because they're twins. They're white and they're black, but they're twins. Yeah. Um, 
Stevie tells Zoe that Damien got roomed with a homophobe at first who went to Neferit to get moved. And Neferit was like, go fuck yourself. Damien, what do you want to do? And Damien was like, just move me. I don't want to deal with this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some other gay guys, but they're too fabulous for Damien. Apparently. Yeah, they really were like, yeah, Damien's a normal gay guy. Those guys, they're like femi. I almost said mm. a slur again. <laughs> I, I know. I. We, Did you see it about to exit my mouth? We can't say it on the podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Uh, but Damien's from Dallas and his parents didn't know what to do with a gay son. So they were actually relieved when he became a vampire because his dad's a big member of the people of faith so it's like oh he's gay I heard that was there I don't a know ghost what, in your room? I don't know what the fuck that was but anyways he's gay and he's a vampire we don't have to care about him anymore um, there are also lesbians at the school but most of them have their own group and are super into the religious part of the school. And I got to say, this some, this bit somehow managed to be the only accurate yeah. generalization <laughs> that these authors made because yeah. lesbians love them. Not all lesbians, obviously, but like large swaths of lesbians love them some like astrology and witchy new age yeah. bullshit. <laughs> it's like I I think of them like Artemis's huntresses of just being yes. a bunch of gays who like keep the temple nice. It, it, I was like, you know what? That is the most accurate. I Absolutely. I can't even be upset about this. <laughs> yeah. So once they reach the dorm, Stevie gets some more drinks from the kitchen and explains that. The place is fully stocked, but it's mostly healthy stuff. Healthy, in quotes, because a lot of the stuff they list isn't really healthy, but maybe for 2008 it was considered healthier. Um, But the staff wants to make sure the fledglings are as fit as possible so that they don't die instead of changing into a full vampire. That... It's the first 10 chapters of the House of Night. So I want to point out that Zoe keeps making comments about how she might die in the change. I feel like after she has that vision of Nyx and like her mark gets filled in. Shouldn't be a baby concern. girl. Maybe you should stop worrying so much. Like Nyx literally chose you. You're the chosen that be, one. That would be so awkward. Fuck. Nyx acts accidentally Jesus as Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what if jesus was the first run and it just got fucked up <laughs> we're just throwing I mean, religions uh, together haphazardly i wouldn't be surprised all right what well, are we reading next week emmy well my that was the hurts. first hundred pages so let's see let's let me just skip ahead right here uh, chapter 19 starts on 195. So I guess we are reading chapters 11 through chapter 18, stopping at page 195, which is 
leaving us with a third of the book. We just made it through the first third. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to like a bunch of the hot shit that was on the blurb on the back of the book. Like there's no, we don't even have a rising action yet. We've gotten through a third of the book. The pacing is insane. It is really weird. But I mean, there's 12 books in this series. I, when I stopped reading them, there's something that happens in book three that made me stop reading them because I was 13 and I thought it was horrifying. Uh, and, but nowadays I'm probably just going to be like, all right, Zoe, I see you. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so as of now, we do plan on reading all 12 books. We'll see how we fucking feel about it, I guess. (laughs) This is, uh, this is certainly an experience. Maybe we'll just have to stop. I can't even read some of the quotes from the book because of how bad it is. (laughs) Yeah, it is really horrifying. Um, but yeah, I look forward to doing this again. I, we're back to being able to make fun of something that's awful. I feel like with Maximum Ride, it was impossible to make fun of because it was just so stupid. Warm Bodies, we weren't making fun of because, I mean, that's a good book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this, I feel like we're back on track. We're back with the with the Twilight vibes. We got which this. I feel. I feel like we're going to be comparing this book to Twilight quite a lot. Um, I mean, this is all from this that same era of just, like, churned out vampire love story books. Um, so, you know, hopefully everybody else enjoyed. Do you have anything to say before I do our sign-off? I gotta take Steffi to an appointment, so you sign that shit off. Follow us on Twitter at LitMastersPod. M is at M of many names, and I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Uh, shoot us an email over at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com or hit us with a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash LitMastersPod. Um, our DMs are always open, and we're always on the internet, so we want to hear from you. We, we hope to God that... If we say something problematic, you'll come at us with uh, kindness and love and not just yell at us because we're very sensitive people. I'm a little bitch. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know why I'm so concerned with us saying something problematic with this series. It's probably because the series itself is so problematic that at some point we're just going to say I'll accidentally stumble into it. I have a history of yeah. saying problematic things. I was a... <laughs> I was a very edgy young person and oh, yeah. I would oh my just God, stumble into this. <laughs> I mean the number of the number of things that have happened recently where I'm like, Jesus Christ, I am so glad that like there wasn't a camera pointed at me when I was 17, 18 years old because I people would not want to associate with me now. Cause I was so dumb and I said some edgy dumb shit. Brandon reminds me of it all the time because he was there. He was the camera who was pointed at me. Uh, okay. <laughs> the My actions live on in his memory. But anyway, we'll see you next week. Blowjobs are cool. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Just a little note before we go. I want to apologize ahead of time for what's going to happen on next week's episode. You see... As I edit this and record this little bit of audio for you, it just so happens to be Sarah and I's holy day. You might be asking, what holy day is that? 
The answer is whatever day of the year Taylor Swift decides to release a new album, which just so happens to be October 21st in 2022. The next episode may contain prolific levels of references to Taylor Swift. We apologize ahead of time and we hope you can bear with us. Have a good week.